all the theological questions that come with youth are just so fun. And we get to go to seminary when we have those deep questions forever. Just saying. Grace and peace to you in the name of our creative and redemptive and persistent triune God. Amen. Well, cats out of the bag, we're in Lent. Yay! And we start it like we do every Lent. We hear about the beginning of Jesus' ministry from his baptism at the Jordan to his time spent in this wilderness before emerging out in public, pronouncing the good news and calling for all who perceive it to consider this invitation that there is something new on the horizon and already afoot. We hear it every year, even though we hear it from different gospels. This year, we've got the gospel according to Mark. It is remarkably undetailed, compared at least to both Matthew and Luke's account, where they give a whole scene and interaction between Jesus and the forces of evil. But we just, all we hear today is that the spirit who calls out, this is my beloved, with you I am well pleased, that same spirit then sends Jesus out to exile and wrestle in the wilderness. Bam, done. I will confess, I find a lot of comfort immediately just in the lack of detail in those few short sentences that this is Jesus, the beloved son of God who needs to wrestle with maybe his faith a bit and his identity and the spiritual forces around him. And he can't do it in public, he has to do it in the wilderness. And spoiler alert, this is also not the only time that Jesus is going to endure such wrestling with his faith, with commitment, with his identity. Before the end, in the Garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus is arrested, he is deep in prayer, and he is wrestling and trying to negotiate with God. And this is from Mark chapter 14. He began to be deeply distressed and troubled and said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he said this to Peter and James and John and told them to stay and keep watch. And going a little further, Jesus fell to the ground and prayed that if the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And then a little later, while he's on the cross, his faith is disturbed again. And he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? From beginning to end, and often throughout his public ministry, Jesus is taking time away from the crowds. He goes up to mountains, he goes out on boats to the middle of the lake and back into the wilderness, often for this private prayer. And I would suspect some more of that spiritual wrestling, for he knows he has been called to bring this good news, and people are receiving it in very different and challenging ways. And I don't know about you, but that's actually what I find so comforting, that knowing that faith is not easy, discerning and listening to the spirit, to the voice of God is not easy. And Jesus too, Jesus who is full of grace and full of truth, Jesus who is son of God, son of humanity, also did not have an easy faith either. Though his trust with his divine parents was rock solid, it had to be, 
because it's hard to wrestle with God. It's hard to wrestle in faith if you don't also in some way have a deep trust that there is a God who, is, who receives you and loves you and wants good for you. I mean, think about the closest relationships we have with people. Those are the people that we often scratch on the most. We, we often almost seem to argue most with the ones we love the most because we trust they will still love us even in the midst of those things. Now I realize this is a different mindset, a different way of considering faith that isn't transactional or dependent on us in our imperfect and fleeting and fickle humanness. Faith in this way is really more of a byproduct of God's persistent and relentless love for God's children. And it is always there. Even when we don't or can't feel it, even when we struggle to understand or even refuse to lean into the mystery and uniqueness of God's love. All of us will endure big challenges and struggles in our lives. That's a certainty. None of us are immune to life-changing experiences that rock us and shape our worldviews differently. And it's often in those experiences that we may simultaneously lean into the hope of divine interventions while also shaking our fists and screaming, why and where are you? Most often, I think, though, it's hard for us to discern the signs around us that hint that God's relentless presence is around us. We hope for that burning bush, the parted waters, the dove to wrestle and the light to beam down on us, the obvious miracles we read about in scripture. We long for those. But more often than not, the signs of God's love are subtle and ordinary, and they may pass us by without us even having a second glance. Most often, the signs of God's love that show up in the midst of our storms are more like those little partial rainbows. You know, you don't often see like the full big arc, but you see just like a portion of it. Those glimpses of light refracted and illuminated for just fleeting moments. The signs of God's love aren't always intense and overwhelming. They actually can be moments of peace that come even when a small decision is made. Or the signs of God's love are the friend that calls you out of the blue The signs of God's love are the moments you feel like you're exactly where you're meant to be, even if it's the same place you've been for years. The signs of God's love will be made manifest in the midst of our worst days and in the status quo of our most indifferent days. The signs of God's love mark the very best days and remain mysterious and hidden on our most vanilla of days. But when we are aware of those signs, I hope we see them as God's relentless hope and promise, not necessarily as guideposts that we're doing the right thing, but that God is always with us. And that God's promise and relentless hope helps us to remain persistent through our struggles and our challenges with that joy that comes from deep, unrelenting faith. As I said at the very beginning of worship and in your bulletin, there's a great paragraph outlining kind of the journey that we're on. We are utilizing a devotion and a worship resource called The Seed of Joy. It's by this group called Barn Geese Worship. Barn Geese is a small collective of pastors. Many, not all, are ELCA Lutherans. 
and they write liturgical resources for widespread use. And as you'll see on their website, if you click on it, they write about this, this is what they write about the seed of joy. In the heart of fear and pain, God plants the seed of our joy. And joy is a beacon that points us toward God's unfailing presence, even in the heart of fear and pain. And today's seed is persistent joy. It's that kind of deep seed that doesn't really need a lot of daylight in order to grow. It's the joy and faith that holds us in hope and trust that God is always here. And that nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. That we are both blessed and not crushed. We may be struck down, but we're not destroyed. God's promise endures and joy comes in the morning. The rainbow shines after the storm. So I hope that you may also find a little bit of comfort in the wrestling of Jesus, whose relentless love for us calls out to us to repent, to see things differently, to be aware that the kingdom of God is already at work and we are a part of it. I hope you also find comfort in the wrestling of Jesus, whose relentless love struggled with us and for us, who took our pain and our fear and buried it in death. Jesus, whose persistent then brought resurrection joy and the assurance that God's love will never fail, will never end. And I hope that you may also be able to wrestle with your own understanding of persistent joy and joy in general in this season of Lent where we do take a step back and find ourselves grappling once again with the beauty and challenge of faith, even as it leads us into that resurrection dawn. Amen.